As you take your seat, if you'll turn with me to our scripture text this morning. It's taken from Psalm 37. I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. It's on page number 874 in your pew Bibles, if you want to turn to it there. As we look to a most relevant and significant passage in God's Word. Before I read from Psalm 37, I just want to take a moment to set the stage, kind of make set the context and talk about why I'm preaching what I'm preaching this morning. With regard to this week's events, the tragedy in Texas, Tuesday morning, shocking news, another mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, Ed, I mean, Rob Elementary School, 19 children and two teachers killed, plus others injured, wounded. And this just the latest of 27 school shootings so far in 2022, and it's only May. Imagine. Not counting 10 people killed in the mall in Buffalo, New York. It's staggering. Add to the horrific history of mass shootings in schools, especially among many others. 2018, Santa Fe, Texas, eight students and two teachers killed. 2018 also, Parkland, Florida, 14 students and three staff members in the school there. Of course, we all remember 2012, Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, 20 children, six adults. And of course, 1999, Columbine High School, Columbine, Colorado, 12 students and one teacher, and that's just to name a few. This Memorial Day 2022, well, we should remember the fallen heroes that gave their lives for our freedoms in all of the conflicts, all of the world wars. They should never be forgotten, forever honored in our hearts and in our commemorations. So, too, we should always remember the lives lost in these senseless, evil, violent acts this week plus going back. How shall we respond? How can we, as the people of God, wrap our minds around these events as committed people of faith in Jesus Christ? Among the many questions... How should we react and respond when we hear this? How do we react and respond? Secondly, why do these things happen? This question that's on so many people's minds. Keeping in mind. And lastly, what shall we do when they happen? In other words, why, what, and how? These three questions. Some very practical and timely thoughts 
from the scriptures, I believe, both addressing intellectual and emotional questions with the answers from God's word. Let me read for you just a part of Psalm 37, which the whole psalm is worth focusing on, but I'll just read 11 verses. Psalm 37, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they shall soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy great peace. One Christian's perspective, as I reflect on this, there's many things that could be said in times like this. But I just felt this morning I needed to change the course of what I was planning to preach and address these questions again, because they are on all of our minds and in all of our hearts. First of all, how? How do we or should we react or respond to such unspeakable evil. Call it what it is. First of all, most of us are shocked and stunned. Many of us remember other days that have gone down in infamy. Pearl Harbor Day. Day President JFK Kennedy was assassinated. 9-11, most of us remember where we were when we heard the shocking news. Can't imagine that it's true. We are all in a collective standstill, watching. Shock, stunned, quickly turns to anger. We're looking for justice, looking for Judgment and retribution. There's a sense of moral outrage and righteous indignation at the very least. And these feelings are justified for those who are people of God seeking righteousness and holiness. God is forming and fashioning that righteousness in our hearts that injustice and oppression and violence violates. We have to be careful about our actions, as the psalmist says. Not taking revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So in our anger, do not sin. Confusion. 
Who's to blame? Who's at fault for this? We've been hearing it on social media and on TV constantly. We feel better if we get some clarity on who to blame for all this. The shooter? Certainly. Absolutely. But what about the school staff? Didn't lock the doors or whatever. Law enforcement could have got there quicker. The NRA, the liberals, the conservatives were all pointing in every different direction so that we can feel better. Maybe confusion, why this happens. Maybe it's from a culture of violence, moral laxity after all, among our youth, not just them. Maybe a society that's lost its value in the sanctity of human life, the baseline. Maybe we should blame the devil, Satan. Certainly he is due some share of the blame. How about blaming God? Many people see this and say, why would a good God allow this to happen? Maybe it's God's fault. Question why? We'll get to this in more in depth, but why do bad things happen to good people is a constant question. The general philosophical, theological question of the problem of evil, the problem of human suffering and injustice, the problem of pain, as C.S. Lewis wrote that classic book. By the way, I have some books out there on the table for you to pick up, some of which have to do with this Deep subject. Then we settle into sadness as we respond and react. The closer you get to the situation, the more sad and the more grief you feel. Families with loss in the inner circle, community down in Texas in grief, the nation with flags at half-mast. I loved it when I saw one of our trustees bringing our flags out here at half-mast to join in the nation's grief. Parents with children anywhere identifying, what if this happens in our school? Comes too close to home if you have children that age. Fear? Well, of course, naturally. What we can't control, what if? So we hold our children close. It's a fearsome time. Well, that's how we react. Why do these things happen? Let me try and throw out, leave you with a few thoughts. Why does God allow these things to happen? I don't believe that God directly causes this. I don't believe that we want to pin this on the hand of God. Although He is in control and He allows evil to happen in this time because of evil in the world and evil within the hearts of men. Consider some possible options. Some possible possible. Maybe not plausible, but possible answers to the question why. Why did this happen? Maybe God was punishing or 
chastising sinful people there in Uvalde, Texas. Maybe this was an expression of God's judgment and wrath for their sin. No. No, I don't believe that that's the answer. It's a possible option because in the in the Bible times, certainly God brought judgment. But I don't believe in this day God singles people or peoples out for disaster, whether it's natural disaster or social violence. Yes, justice and judgment for sin will happen for all sinners. Yet, for believers, there is therefore now no condemnation, but there is accountability someday, but not yet. No, this is not the answer. Not so specifically. I hope you hear me on that. Well, if God's not punishing or chastising these particular people, maybe just God just wasn't aware of the particular situation there in Uvalde, Texas. Maybe with all the universes and galaxies, he just got distracted for a moment. All the major crises, the wars, the rumors of wars, natural disasters, maybe he just took his mind off of Texas for a second. Happens with all of us, doesn't it? Accidents happen from time to time. We look away, we're driving and get caught off guard. The Bible does say that God knows the number of hairs on a man's head. For me, it's getting easier to count. But, you know, maybe the answer to this is God just got wrapped up with counting the hairs on an especially bushy-haired man and missed this. No. I don't think that's the answer. Because the Bible says that God knows everything always. Psalm 139 says, God knows when I sit and when I rise and everything in between. He knows when I'm going out and I'm coming in and everything in between. He is familiar with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Oh, Lord, you know it completely. We don't even know what we're going to say. We blurt things out. But God knows because of his omniscience. Instead of being an answer, this is a comfort to us to know that we are known, to know that God knows every single situation, everything we're struggling with, everything, everywhere, all the time. Well, maybe if God was aware, maybe he just wasn't there. Maybe he didn't show up that day. Maybe God was called away or interrupted. Maybe there was a slight hiccup or a lapse in the angelic protection. The guardian angels were assigned somewhere else. No. Certainly not. No, that's not the answer. God is indeed revealed himself as all-present. Always there. Again, Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit, O God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand 
will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I need fear no evil, for thou art with me. God is with us, even in the valleys and the shadows of death. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you wherever you go. What comfort this is. Surely these aren't the answers to our question. God is aware and God is there. Here. Everywhere. Well, maybe the answer, a possible answer is, maybe he was aware and he was there, but he just didn't care. God had a lot of other things on his mind. Lots of people, there's lots of things that we are aware of, but we can't be concerned about everything and every everyone everywhere. We suffer from compassion fatigue as we watch children hungry on TV. Concern overload. No. Certainly not. That can't be the answer. Just the opposite. God cares and loves intently, individually, eternally. God's love. No, God is infinitely just and loving. Eternally, unconditionally. Well, maybe if He did care, maybe it comes down to God isn't fair. A lot of people question, is God really fair? Maybe he's playing favorites with preferential treatment. Maybe these ones in Texas were not his favorites. We're not his special loved ones. (laughs) Well, you know where I'm going with this. No, that certainly is not the answer. God is infinitely just, eternally, and equally good and universally loving. Let me say that again, in case you're dozing. God is infinitely just, equally and eternally good, and universally loving. God is no respecter of persons, as the Bible says. Shows no favoritism. And that includes you and me. God is fair, the arbiter of all justice. Well... Maybe there's one more answer that I could try. Maybe God, who was aware and there and did care and was fair, but maybe he just wasn't able the ability to do anything about it. We all have limited capacity. There's lots of things that I'd love to shield my children and grandchildren from, but I just can't protect them from everything because I'm not able. But... No, 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 certainly not. For God is able, more than able, to accomplish that which concerns us today and every day. God is the Lord God Almighty, omnipotent, all-powerful, the Bible says. There is no limit to His power. Amen? That can't be the answer. In fact, that's our great comfort He can do all things well. 
With God, nothing is impossible, for He is able. He gives strength to the weary and power to the weak. He strengthens us in our weakness. He lifts us up when we fall. He hears us and bears us up on eagles' wings. He holds you and me in the palm of His hand. That's good news. That's great comfort. No, I believe the answer lies in the fact that we live in a sin-cursed, broken world with sinful, broken people ever since the Garden of Eden. We live in a world where stuff happens and will happen yet until we get to glory. Now we battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all three of those adversaries. The world systems set up, filled with violence. The devil, certainly our adversary, scheming behind all these things. The depravity of sinful man. Don't take that lightly. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. I have overcome the world. How should we respond? Why does God allow this? What should we do now on Sunday morning, less than a week later? In the meantime, till we get to heaven. Just do what he says. Go back to Psalm 37. Listen as I read these commands. Do what he says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will do this. As Hector was saying in the children's sermon, have faith. Trust him even when things are shaky. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun, vindication for you in your righteousness. Be still. Be still. Be still. And wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land, for the meek shall inherit the earth, Jesus said, and enjoy peace. Be still. And know that He is God. The day is coming when He will set all things right. Praise God. All justice will be served. All injustice will be curbed. Every wrong will be made right in that day. Meanwhile, pray. Pray for those who hurt. Seek the Lord. Pray and intercede on behalf of the families and friends in Texas or everywhere. And trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Now, you would think that would be a good setup for our closing hymn. (laughs) 
But I picked out the hymn before I heard about this news. But let's pray and then we're going to sing. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us always, that you are aware, that you know all things about us, that you care, that you love us deeply, profoundly, eternally, and that you are able to do exceeding abundantly beyond that which we could even ask or imagine. So, Lord, we ask that you would hear our prayer as we confess our sin to you. Hear us from heaven Come and heal our land. Forgive us our sins and heal our nation. We thank you for those who we remember this weekend. And as we remember those in pain in Texas, guard over them, surround them with love and care, lift them up with your everlasting arms and all of us together in Jesus' name. Amen.